Good morning and welcome to the one, the only pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep. Good morning traders, how we doing? Let's go ahead and bring on the one, the only Joel Connett. <laughs> What's going on, man? What are you doing starting on time? You, you What's see going on? Holy mackerel. You already do the song and everything? Hey, this is how I run it. And let's Jesus, go ahead. Man, oh, man, oh, man. The one, oh. the only. Can we get a rant? Dennis Dick. Uh, same thing. I'm like, I usually get prepared at 8.02. You got me 50 seconds early. I haven't even combed my hair yet. <laughs> That's called the hair indicator. I always look at it in the morning to let me know if I should be worried about the markets. But looks like the hair indicator this morning. Not too shabby. <laughs> the not too shabby. Is interesting. I'll tell you that much. Man, I was just. Oh, all right. So, whew. so I got to share my screen right now and everything. Holy mackerel. I'm like. You see? Uh, okay. I'm ready to go. I know man. how to do I've this. been drinking coffee yeah, since this morning. Just to let you guys know, based on Mitch's performance on Saturday, Spencer's out. He's done. We, <laughs> we gave got him rid of Spencer. He's we got, got rid of Spencer. <laughs> you know, he he just, you know what? You got to recognize talent. You got to recognize people that work hard. You got to recognize people that can help me with the computer. Uh, so there you go. But uh, now Spencer went to Jersey for a weekend. His flight is delayed. Is he going to make it in at all? Or, or is he? I don't know if he's going to make it in this show, but he'll be this around. This town later. ain't big enough for the two of us. Uh, <laughs> it was Mitch behind this flight cancellation. He was secretly <laughs> behind it all. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Of course. Uh, of course. All right. I'm sharing my charts now. Is that what Let's I'm supposed do to do? Let's get it up there. How's the okay. market? Tell us where we're at, Joel. Okay. What happens with the strong close on Friday? You have follow through on Monday. S&P's up 14 and a quarter. Made that low right earlier in this, right, just right off that 630 open. Up 14 handles at 44.51. We have crude bouncing back up two bucks. That'll sneaky double bottom in there. Uh, yep. Well, double bottom today. It touched Friday's low. Up a buck 98 at 64.12. Gold, oh man, can you get to 1800 for me, please? Look at that consolidation. Four or five days of matching ranges need to clear 1800. Silver's green for a change. That's up 31 cents at 23.42 and a half. Bitcoin, uh, that's up $1,600. That's at uh, 50,370. Ethereum, the leader. The leader of the pack, at least to this t- to this point, that's up ninety two dollars at thirty three forty eight. All right. So first things first, you already kind of mentioned it, but let's go back to that Bitcoin crossing that fifty thousand wow. mark. I know everybody in the chat saying, "Where's the where's the Bitcoin shout out?" There you go. I'll. We're recognizing it. Definitely. That's a big move on up. I remember when it was coming down towards that 30,000 mark and even Joel and I were talking, maybe can we get 20 K? Can we get, I know. no, we should have took the 30 Joel, but Hey, hindsight 2020, as you guys seeing it up there past that 50,000 mark, what do you guys think? I'm going to have to drill back in some daily levels here for you. Stretch it out a little bit. You're working into this bar. I'll just give you I, I haven't really done a lot of technical work on this as of late, but what's this high here? Next target I'll give you is 51,695. Uh, Triple D, I mean, it goes with the market sometimes. It doesn't go with the market sometimes. But uh, I guess over the last few days, it's, you know, it's gone with the market. I mean – 
we've said this for a while and we realized it back, you know, when they were saying Bitcoin's an alternative asset and doesn't have any correlation to the overall market. We realized back in March of 2020 that that was bogus because we watched Bitcoin when the market fell 30% in three weeks. We watched Bitcoin go from what, 13,000 down to what, 3,000 back then? So it is correlated. It's a risk asset. It's correlated with risk assets. This has been a risk on day. Um, obviously, you can see it. And Bitcoin has been coming back. I'm still on Bitcoin. I'm still on Ethereum. How's the Ethereum look? I have more Ethereum than Bitcoin. Uh, like I said, Are this... Are getting a rally with... with yeah, Ethereum? this has been the leader of the pack. It really yeah. has. It I got... traded a lot of my Bitcoin in. I kept a little bit, but I traded a lot of it in for Ethereum. Uh, let me drill back for an Ethereum level. I mean, it's lower price a little bit. I mean, you just got to think about 3500 now. I'm just giving yeah. you some short-term targets. Like I said, I haven't really drilled down the technicals. I'd say if you're, you know, a shorter-term trader, 3498 uh 7 ah 3500 makes it easy. That's my next upside upside target. Uh both of them had the moves did the 50% retracement. Uh, Ethereum held it a little bit quicker. It was 47 for uh, Bitcoin. And, you know, now if, uh, you know, going on my true 50%, you know, theory on the markets, then, you know, we're poised to go up and test the all-time high in these. All right. Let's take a look here at our cryptocurrency Ooh, brought to you like by that. Benzinga here. Let's take a look. So the only one I'm seeing in the red is Sol- Solana. Um, but there's a couple that I'm definitely keeping on watch now that we're seeing another Bitcoin Ethereum run. The Cardano's we... coming too. Everybody exactly. told me we Cardano. have a smart chat. Everybody's been telling me about Cardano because I have the Bitcoin and Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Everybody's been saying to get in that ADA for a while. Well, mm-hmm. how's that? Do you have a chart on that one, Joel? ADA? Right here. Can we get I a chart left. on that one? I don't. Uh, I'll get you a chart in a second. I, I had to pull it up sure. here. Where's that but at? ADA yeah. is at up 7.7% here. Uh, to to year to date, it's up. 760 what's the actual number on that one yeah 870 percent. i mean so it's ada is how you want to look it up uh but there's also 40 buck 50 or something like that yeah it's right now over two dollars at two dollars and 82 cents 282 i'm moving up everybody's been telling me about that for the last six months and i think they've been right you have to what one thing that I would say about the altcoins is that I always think about these as maybe diversifying in a couple of them because eventually if they're gonna move hundreds of percent, you only need one winner really to make a good amount. So I, I think you gotta try to get a couple of these. Last time I tried doing this, I only grabbed Dodge, and that's probably what the reason that I I had a loss there, at least I feel. Um did so, you hold on to the Dogecoin? Or no, I, I, I dropped it. I dropped it. I mean, I was holding that 30 cents. And then when it broke that 30 cents, I was like, okay, I'm out. Cut um, those losers. Mitch learns. Mitch <laughs> the learns. only way, man. I mean, if it would have came down to 15 cents and I would have lost 50% on the position, would have not been so happy. But yeah. th- now it's coming back. The question is, do, I, do we see other ones start making a move? Like, let's say Luna, Uni. I never um, heard I'll, any of those ones. Yeah. There's, but I'm not there's a, a bunch guy. out there. There's a bunch out there, guys. I know a lot of people are talking about it in the chat. Keep your eyes on these because if we're going to get another cryptocurrency run, it could get another boom into the altcoins. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get into another area. Um, we're not going to get in too far from this, but I want to take a look at some of the Bitcoin stocks this morning. Yeah, I do Let's too. take a look at those. So there's uh, there's one that's interesting that's really leading, BTCM. Not, not the most common one. Uh, but this one also is a Bitcoin mining stock. Um, I like it just because it's also the name, uh, Bit Mining. I mean, come on! I think they got that down pack. 
so let's take a look at that chart. There's a lot of these there, miners Joel? now, these smaller mining plays. Um, obviously, BTBT was a smaller one that's coming, you know, and obviously a, a little bit more now in the mainstream bit digital. But this is the first time you're bringing me this BTCM, Mitch, because uh, I never even knew about this one. So I look at it. I look at the charts following Bitcoin to a certain extent. You're breaking out here today. You got to get up over that 915. Okay. That's your critical level of resistance, which we're about a buck away from there. Is that 950, so, but... Dennis? What's that? Is that 950? I'm Nine looking fi- at that one high just from uh, seven, eight uh, days see, ago, the nine. See, this is where, yeah, this is where, I mean, we both have obviously a good eye for the charts, but I see this high right here, BTCM. I see 915. And That's then what I I'm see, looking at. Oh, I thought you said 950. No, 15. Gotcha. One five. Okay. okay. Yep. I, there I mean, you go. 35 cents, nine, nine, nine and a half, nine, nine bucks. Going to be running to 10 and then you think 10. But again, these these plays are all just related to Bitcoin. Obviously, there is some separation. Uh, um, you know, the one uh, miner that I bought, so I did buy one, was Hive Blockchain, and that was because our buddy's on the show, and he was telling you know that they're actually profitable. Um, HIVE it trades yeah. on on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Speculative capital. I put just speculative money in this, saying this could potentially go to zero. But uh, who's the guy? Jets ETF. That's Frank Holmes. And Frank's behind this one, and we've had Frank on the show for years. He's smart. And I was like, he talked me right into it on the show. You know, he was saying, you know, that they're doing all kinds show of money. Show portfolio. There. They're profitable already. I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll throw Frank some money because Frank's been on the show a long time, and he knows his stuff, and he knows what he's doing. Nice triple bottom there, too, in HVBT from last week. Beautiful. We were talking about this on the, on the Saturday webinar, just looking, you know, for setups what? like that. 266, holy mackerel. That was major support. Three lows, same area, Joel. Now it's coming yeah, out of there okay. and challenging I, the highs. I finally got the symbol here. Uh, yep, yeah, HDPBT on the yeah, NASDAQ. Yeah, I'm going to rate that. I mean, yeah, there's some hard ones. There's a bunch now. And I mean, like Dennis mentioned, there's just not just one play. There's tons of plays out there. Yeah. I'm just going to read through some names, of course. Okay. Yeah, give Mara's us the names. Bi- Mara's the biggest move. You got yeah. Riot starting to come back. Uh, BTBT has been doing really well. I, trade I like that trade. Other, pair trading. Uh, coin moving up today also based off of sympathy. Um, and then from that being mentioned, uh, there's a, there's another one that I really like, but a high price name, MSTR. Yeah. I Might trade all, all five of those um, actively against each other. So, you know, we talked about that on Saturday as well, doing the stat herb and I pair trade those things and piston trade those things all against each other. So, um, the hives more speculative. I mean, all of these are still speculative names. They're obviously linked to Bitcoin. Bitcoin down. They're going to be down, and they're levered plays. You know, they're they're levered up, obviously. So you know, when you see Bitcoin moving three, four percent, sometimes these things are moving ten, twelve percent. So and it depends on each, uh, you know, each different stock as well. But um, there's lots of different plays out there for Bitcoin, so you don't have to necessarily be a crypto trader to be participating in the crypto market. Uh, look at that 38 sticking out in Mara. I just want to give you guys one level on the upside. This is just, boom, what's popping out to me just real quickly uh, in in relation to where they're trading now. Look at that. Just over 40. I'd give you a range, maybe 40 to 40 and a half in the riot uh, potential resistance. So riot and what else was there? Um there was Frank's. We'll have to give Frank a shout That's out. That's what today. I just said, yeah. So H- uh, HVBT. Yep, I got that, and uh, it had that little pesky high, and that was at 342. So 
Oh, that's pretty close. I guess on a percentage basis, it's by the same distance away, but the potential targets in the crypto. That's a Bitcoin stock. mining play. I think he's yep. mining Ethereum too, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what he said when he was on the show. Uh, sure. Was probably, I I when was he on? The- month and a half ago? Two months ago? Oh, I can't go I back. bought it after like a couple. I, I waited for a pullback on it. So he had to come on. I think it was around three bucks. And, you know, was saying that they're profitable and they're growing, they're expanding. And, you know, and obviously Frank's behind it. And then I had, you know, the big sell off there in July down to two bucks. And I struck, I think I got it around 230. So I'm actually doing pretty good on this thing. It's up to 323 now. So I'm up about 30% on it. Uh, but I just stuck it in the speculative long term portfolio and wanted to participate in some mining plays. And we know Frank well. So. Quick comment from Brian Heflin. Uh, if you if you guys had something like that Saturday every month or even quarterly, I would be there 100%. It was a great value for the money. We, Thank we you, may, man. We're going to do something like this again. We had a really good response to our webinar. Obviously, we've never done a – me and Joel have never done a paid event before. So, um, But, you know, we put together, you know, obviously with Rob Friesen, we had a good team, the three of us there. Mitch was coasting like a champion. So I think it went really, really well. We actually had more numbers than we actually – had uh, projected so it worked out really well yeah so uh alexander wilson asked if you could watch the saturday's webinar if we missed it live go ahead and we're gonna we're gonna give you an email or, or something to reach out to we could still get it to you um if, if no... you're for the paid for the paid subscribers exactly yeah, this there's... was a paid event and it wouldn't be fair to give it away after the fact we're not doing that yeah yeah, yeah you, we're not giving you paid the course, 99 dollars, but can you still you... sign up if you want to hear it can you pay the 99 dollars and still get the webinar i'm working on that jo- joel's working it. on I'm that after the fact that. but if I'll you signed happen, up guys, and you pay the 99 dollars, you absolutely can get a recording of it if you're if, it. if you're interested reach out to me mitch at benzinga.com i'll make sure that we get you it we'll, we'll, we'll figure a way to get you that 99 dollars paid whether it be um we get you that recording we'll get it to you reach out to us all right ne- last one i want to mention is someone did mention a stock that i'd keep on watch clsk clean um that's also could move with the bitcoin um because they do have some exposure now uh let's keep let's get out of bitcoin now let's yeah. move into pfizer and biotech covid yeah. vaccines could get fully approved here on monday i think the big news with that is also that they can start advertising marketing straight to consumers once they get this approval um so what are we seeing on the charts there joel and what do you guys think about the approval today often you see these you know and i'll just start with it you see the the news the initial spike on the news event these approvals were expected this is not unexpected news i'm actually surprised that the that the rally is this significant especially in bntx which was out of favor uh, to be honest, I think this is a selling opportunity in BNTX. Um, these stocks fell out of favor a week and a half ago. We know because you know there's some studies done on some side effects of mRNA vaccines, and then we watched it. You know, buy, we watched obviously BNTX and Moderna both fall significantly. BNTX losing a hundred points in two days. There's people caught. There's overhead. You know, supply here now. You're getting up to last week's high of three seventy four eighty. I think you're going to run into sellers at the same point in time. I have not looked at the pre-market chart, so I have no idea where it's been. Um, but, you know, anything can happen. I'm not saying come out and I'm coming out and shorting it. But if I was long this and looking for an out, um, a nice 7% spike on an expected headline is a nice opportunity to lighten up. We've been doing this show too long here because We're thinking uh, the exact same I, I talked about this last night and they're just different charts. There's di- uh, And I'll, I'll do the uh, – I've been following Myrna. Uh, more closely because it seems like in the pre-market prop plus room, 
That's what people are more interested in. Uh, that almost hit 500, came down. I'm just looking at this 426 area, and I thought it may get there overnight on the big pop, but not. It's just not retracing that 50%. And it took a while, just, just kind of like the Bitcoin. You know, it took yeah. a while. It had to form a base. So uh, my key level, I mean, first of all, we'll go with the the uh, after hours. High. These things were moving on Friday, Dennis. I'm, I'm sure you saw that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep, 395. Uh, 91, that's what you need follow through. Just go to your weekly high on this one, 413.30. You got to get over that, or I'm looking for a little, you know, little bit of a rollover. Uh, BNTX, same thing, same scenario, same technical setup. Boom. Uh, that needs to get to 392. Wow. For halfway back, hasn't even come within 20 points of that. Now, Pfizer, different story, different stock, starting to move on Friday. This has been such a huge move, but you know what? I We picked it up. Uh, we, Lisa and I picked it up before earnings, and I'm just not going to touch it. I'm just, I'm just not going to think about it. This is in the long-term portfolio. This thing has been a serial underperformer forever. For I 21 mean, years. Yeah. It just so, made new all-time highs after, after – it just got back. To its 2,000 all-time high. It made, yep. new, it made a high, I believe, in like March or April of 2000. Of fifth, of, I think it was like 46 or $47. And then went down for two decades and finally has come back and grown into that valuation. We talked about this on the show. It was trading 45 times earnings back in the year 2000. Company kept growing, but this didn't grow fast enough. So obviously, the stock price had to come in. And now, what's Pfizer trade with a P of like 12 or 13? Moving up. So, it's reasonable valuation all of a sudden. I've had Pfizer in my portfolio since about 2008, I think, like I said, or maybe it was later than that, but we talked about this last week too. I'm in from about $13 and I'm holding it. Uh, my number number of the day, number of the week, we'll see how it holds up, uh, 5042. I know we traded up to 5186 on Wednesday, but 5042 is the high of the move. So if you're looking to do some wiggling today, 450.35 is where you're currently trading. You got almost near 51. You see the after, the Friday after hours, guys. Uh, uh, people are still trading at 8 o'clock on Friday, like Dennis, uh, bidding it up here. But uh, the high for the move, the all-time high, uh, 50.42. All-time closing high. I'm sorry about that. Keeping the, keeping the party going here, Mitch. Uh, All right. Lots of earnings stocks this week we are coming into. We did get one this morning, so should we start with the one that has already reported? Okay. Just want to do a, a, not, a notable mention. We we did mention last week REGN, Regeneron. Just keep that one on the watch. Has been still moving on the upside. Um, this I like is my to, favorite COVID player still. I, I like stated, to mention the ones that you did last week, Dennis. So yeah. this is definitely one of those that's still working well. Yeah, I'm in. I bought it right around the earnings report. I actually bought it three or four days before the earnings report. And then I was like, oh, I forgot that it reports. And I actually took it through, which I rarely do. Um, I did sell a piece before the earnings report because I was scared. And then, But I took the other piece through. Um, but it's a normal size position for me. And I wanted to invest in the company. So right. um, obviously, I felt like there's going to be you know, this, this uh, tailwind that they've got. Um, as you know, Delta cases are coming up, they do have a therapy that appears to help significantly with those who actually contract the disease. So, I mean, we're looking at, I bought a 580 about a month ago. It's 665, so it's been a good one. All right. uh, you want to talk about diamond hands right here. You're looking <laughs> at them. Triple D, 
because uh, these are paper hands, man. You're a holder. No, green man. They're green. I talked to you. Oh yeah, you want you're trying to tell me to sell it. I wasn't trying to tell you to sell it. Don't make stuff up. I wasn't trying to tell you to sell it. It was just a weird day on Wednesday. It didn't take out an ugly candle. You did pick out the yeah. It didn't take out the pre market high, and you know, just looking at today, and then like I'm not selling. I know. I'm like I saw it. You didn't give me the right business proposal. I was like, no, Joe, I'm not selling. I supported (laughs) you, Dennis. I thought it was a great pick. I I think in the long run, I I could see the 1K. I do. I do too. That was my. That was when I went into this. I, you know, you kind of have a target in your back of your mind. I was like, I think over the course of the next couple years, if we still have to be fighting, and I don't think, I don't, I would love to think COVID is going to vanish into thin air, like some people have said in the past. I do not believe. No, it's not. I do not believe that's going to happen. I believe we're going to live with this for a long time. We're going to manage it, and the best way to honestly manage this, especially for the non-vaxxers. It might be Regeneron because you know what? If you get sick, you need therapies. Regeneron has a therapy that appears to work. So I'm sticking with the therapy and they've got, and, and you're buying it. Like sometimes you're just buying you know, a, Bi- a BioNTech or something that's a one-trick pony. Regeneron, when you look at this company, has always made a lot of money. It's not an expensive company at all. Um, and I look at this in comparison even to what Moderna has done. And you think, you know, is there the potential that, you know, this could start getting a little bit more uh, COVID love has obviously cases. If cases come down, maybe it comes down too. But I mean, the trailing P on this thing is 11. It's not an expensive stock. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's switch let's switch on over to these Chinese stocks. I know that a lot of people have taken a look. So let's go to JD. I want to get to a lot of tickers. Uh, as you guys can see, uh, you know, I'm trying to control the guys. You know, Spencer Spencer lets these guys just jump on top of them sometimes. Let's go to JD now. Let's let look at they, they beat it on – estimate here earnings per share at 45 cents a beat of a 41 cent estimate sales were 39.3 and they beat a 38.28 billion estimate it's starting to push right now as we speak getting up there um, the ask is about 65 Um, just made a nice little lift from about let's see where this low was 63.20 now trying to get up there through 65 let's take a look at the chart what are you seeing out there guys one of my favorite Chinese names. I just don't want to own any China I stocks. Know. Look at Friday. We had such a vicious rally. What stocks, you know, opened strong was China, and they actually closed weak. You know, even if you look at the FXI, not a good day, really. Again, on Friday, I mean, we were bouncing. Yes, we were up slightly, uh, but, you know, uh, it, it, it's just tough. It's tough, tough to be an investor in China right now. It seems like every time you get a rally in any of these stocks, they're just quickly met with more sellers. And what I'm looking at on the FXIs from Friday's chart, where you saw the wicked spike in the first two hours, and then they totally gave it all back. I mean, Baba closes in the red again. Oh. Yes, I'm still long that small position in Alibaba, which I should have sold it all when everybody else was trying to tell me to rebuy the stocks I had sold. Um, I should have been selling everything because this Baba has just been a nightmare. It's cheap. Valuation-wise, it's, it's probably as cheap as it's ever been. But... I mean, there's just too much political risk and too much unknowns. JD, I like it too. They're firing on all cylinders. But there again, it's the risk, the political risk. And I just don't know if I want to be overweight China. I mean, if if you're looking long term, maybe, maybe it's a time to start adding to some of these names and it might be right. But it's, you know, when you're talking about limiting profits of companies, if these companies make too much money, it's something we just don't see in a capitalistic society like U.S. So, 
I, I don't know how to process that. And I think investors I don't, know. don't know how to impossible. process when the government is actively working against, you know, your corporation's profits. So until they change the tune over there, I think you're going to continue to lose international investors. And that might mean that there's still more downside in some of these stocks. I, I couldn't agree with you. We were talking about this for a long time. You're, you're, you're not fighting. You're fighting more than a trend here. You know, you're talking and it start. I mean, there's been started with Baba DD a couple days after it's listed. Pa-pow! You can't accept any new uh, signups. I mean, at, I mean, how do you overcome that until they flip the switch? It's hard. Yeah. Uh, JD for our JD.com traders out here. Pretty simple setup for me. Technically, you haven't even got the Friday's high. Prove to me you want to get over Friday's high and hold Friday's high. That's sixty-five twenty-nine. Uh, your net, then you know, look at your next daily high, uh, sixty-six twenty-nine. So, oh, oh. even I'd even see the the three-day close. How many people would like to see sixty-five fifty-three? So, pretty intermediate levels there. I gave you a range, but man, oh man, let's get to Friday's high first before we start uh, getting all excited about the upside. A lot right. of your portfolio has been doing pretty good, but there's one stock that has not been doing pretty well for me, at least in the last uh, few few weeks, say last two weeks, and it's Uber. I picked it up at the perfect spot back in August, right near the lows. Perfect, I bought in perfect. the free market on earnings day at $39. You won't see that in the chart on August the 5th because it was in the pre-market I bought it. And this thing has just slowly uh, deteriorated after I was up quickly 15% in it. It's gone now. I'm actually in the red in this. Thing we have now. news on this. We have news yeah, on this. Yes. I was coming to it, Dennis. I was I coming. I, I'm leading you now. I got it. So the, <laughs> the offer. So this morning, uh, I mean, the big news is, of course, after the California state judge strikes down on the ballot measure that declares drivers of companies were independent contractors. Oh, this again? So pretty much that's the big effect. That's kind of the, the macro. Then what's affecting Uber more in a in micro sense is they yeah. also have offered 25.28 million shares of common stock. They're going to be sold by certain oh. selling stockholders. Now? They're selling now? now? Yes. So Ooh, this is... Dennis. This is definitely I just on cut the, the downside. I don't know. Unless I'm right it, there. I'm, I'm just basically even. I mean, it's it's right it's right there. I know. This is this I is know. one of those where you got to make that quick decision. Sometimes when a in a the story, I always talk about this. Story can change, right? And yeah. when you get negative catalysts to come out when you were expecting a positive reaction in the stock, that's usually when I decide, hey, maybe it wasn't even my plan. There's something else now that's affecting this stock and i got to make a, a new decision based on that i'll analyze a little bit further here today and see okay. but i'm early enough in this position that you could just say okay um you know yeah it was nice that i was quickly up 12 percent. yes i was putting the long-term portfolio but you do have to reanalyze the fundamental news and sometimes it's just take the small loss and move on or as say when stocks making new lows you got to go this is making a Friday. new low on the year I don't love the chart whatsoever here. Now, I don't love that it's taking out its earnings day low from August. It was hanging out there on Friday. Obviously, it, didn't it out reach on, it on Friday. Fr it did. It did, but it didn't really, Joel, because we know, know how much it traded down in the pre-market that day. So, obviously, when you're looking at intraday charts, you're looking at them on a daily basis. But we know Uber was traded down at 36 or $37 on earnings day. So, there was a lot of, and a lot of volume trading down there, too. So, there is some memory down there as well. But it's tough. I mean, I want to have some exposure to this industry, 
I believe that Uber is not going away. I do like Airbnb. I, I've compared those companies. They are disruptors. Um, Lyft is I, I also down 4% also. So if you look at Lyft, it's also down significantly. Yeah, and Lyft's taking out its lows as well. So, so and Lyft had a huge level of $45. It tried to kind of bounce there on Friday. Now it is through that level. These stock charts are ugly. Um, I do believe the reopening plays, so I, I, I like that aspect of it. But this individual catalyst that you're talking about here doesn't sound like great news. I think I taught this just briefly on Saturday, you know, about the, you know, when you're looking at stocks, we did talk short term. We did talk a little about uh, long term and, you know, the eyeball test. And I'll tell you, when I was in the Philly over the, oh, you got Uber. There's no cabs. Uber, Uber, Uber. So we Ubered everywhere. It was so expensive, especially when Lisa took us to the wrong place on the other end of town and we got out, we let the Uber driver go. And then all of a sudden we walked in, we were supposed to be at this big party. We walk in and it's this little pizzeria and it took 45 minutes to get a nut. And it's so, I don't know, maybe it's just my perspective, taking cabs, whistling them down on a New York, you know, New York city, getting in the cab. To me, they just seem super expensive. So price competition, I don't know. I don't know. Make it a new low for the move. So that's just a little bit of the eyeball test there for Uber and Lyft. All right. So now we're going to get a little bit off subject here. It's not really off, but one thing that I wanted to talk about was the airplane. The airplanes. Guys, guys, Spencer got the his plane, flight the plane. canceled. Essentially, I mean, there was uh, that disturbance in the in the Northeast. I think it was a tropical depression. I mean, I'm from Florida. We go outside and have party in those, but we, huh. we won't talk about that. Uh, so one thing I've been wondering, and, and I've been noticing it because I've been looking for flights. I'm about to travel to the office in Detroit. And there's not many nonstop flights now that you can find. And if you do, you usually find only one option. Normally, when this usually happened, it was like I could find three different airlines that had nonstop flights and pick from those. But a lot of it's what I've been seeing in the airlines industry is that they're trying to use their algorithms in whichever way possible to fill up the planes. If this means sometimes I think canceling flights, I think it's actually on the table. I have no confirmation of that, that they're doing that. But I definitely think it's on the table when you're seeing this amount of canceled flights i would love to hear the number of canceled flights let's say the last six months prior to let's say before covid times and canceled flights it would probably be outstanding they can do it i mean i've had uh we're going on a flight on friday uh not many options we were we're supposed to come back sunday at four boom sunday at noon that's when you're going and i think you're right earl they moved it up on you yeah Oh, wow. You never usually I didn't know they moved them up. Yeah, wow. they moved it up. I mean, it, we're going wow. to a smaller town to visit some friends, so there's really very little options. Oh, but there's nothing one. we can look, do. Look at, look at this one. Slovak saying that his flight to Texas has been changed, and they added a stop to it. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> Your nonstop trip becomes a stop. It sounds like the flying experience is just a debacle oh. right now. It is. It is. It, I think what happened was the focus was that – so many people want to fly, right? Their focus is not customer service right now. They don't, they're not worried about customer service. They're worried about getting those planes filled up no matter what. Well, they're trying to make, they're trying to get out of the red. 
I mean, yeah. you have so many flights. We know, you know, these flights need to be at like 60 or 65 capacity to, to just break even on that specific flight. So when you're running these things half full, there it's not even, you know, hitting, you know, it's, it's not even hitting any cost. Like, I mean, forget about the fixed cost. It's not even carrying the variable costs. So, I mean, I get it. You know, they're trying as hard as they can. Do you really want to be in an investor in an industry that is, you know, having to do all this stuff? They are fighting to survive still, believe it or not. They are fighting to survive still. And the stocks are showing it. Here you are, stock markets buy at all-time highs. Forget about that. That is long gone. Forget about the reopening trade in some of these airlines. That is long gone too. Spirit Air came all the way back in March to $40 to where it was before COVID started. That's how stupid the market got. They went all the way back to where they were before COVID started saying, COVID's a non-event. It's over. Oh, no, it's not. It's back. And Delta's back. And Delta stock is not. SAVE is now $23 in the pre-market here. We're looking at it right now. From 40 just a few weeks ago and is now back to where it was in the mid-2020. So, and, you know, and it's and they all kind of look similar here. Obviously, Delta's come significantly back from $53 all the way down to 38 now. LUV, which I've always said is best of breed, has come off significantly as well. $64 to 48 is now the time to strike? Maybe, but I think there's just easier money out there. Smaller planes. Better places. And, and you know what? As flights are going down, they are going to make less money in the long run, too, as there are less people flying. So, And people hear about these experiences, and they're thinking about, you know, like, oh, I, you know, I could hop on a plane for three or four hours, you know, or, you know, or if you have an alternative to, 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 you know, going on a different vacation, people are taking those alternatives. Obviously, you know, and then business, we know the business flights are not coming back, not to where they were. I don't think you'll ever get back to where you were 2018 business flying. There's too many people who realize, hey, this is much more efficient. You know, technology is there to use your Zoom, to use your, you know, streamer, to use, you know, your Cisco WebEx. Lots of different ways to stream these business meetings, so that's not coming back. It's they're they're very reliant now on the on the traveler, on the vacation traveler, and I don't know if you know that with these experiences here, I think the vacation traveler is saying I could try something oh, different. So some people are going to go on and still going to fly, but these experiences I'm hearing doesn't make me want to just go get excited and jump on an airplane with my two kids and take them to Disney World. Uh, my niece was coming in from New York. Uh, is to go up north Michigan. They canceled her flight from 2 o'clock in the afternoon to 10 o'clock. And then p.m., she got on the flight. A kid was screaming and yelling and wouldn't put his mask on. Uh, Stewardesses fought with uh, him for 45 minutes. And then they kicked him off the plane, uh, right? So listen to this. After all this, all the delays, they kicked him off the plane. So there were four empty seats. They brought other people on. So they had to wait for these other people to reboard as they kicked the other people. She had, she was supposed to get it. Talk, uh, she had to get up to like 2.30 in the morning. And she had originally a 2, 2 p.m. afternoon flight. It's tough, man. It's it's tough. And the, and the charts are reflecting this. Uh, real quick, someone mentioned Pfizer. Uh, we did cover it. Old-time closing high, 50.42. Do we have uh, Mr. Quast in the background yet? Yes, yes. We're going to go ahead and get to that right now. Before we get to that, I always want to do this. Guys, look, we're, we're at like what? Uh, 151 likes. We got 1,446 people they don't watching. Like us. We do this every single day, absolutely free. I'm pretty sure by now we could be behind the paid wall, but we're not. 
So do us a favor, support the team, support the pre-market prep, especially support these guys right here. Dennis and Joel, smash that like so that I can go ahead and bring I just like the show. Boss. I like my own show again. <laughs> he hey. likes to complain. <laughs> and the only way it should be, um, at the end of the day, we got market structure Mondays. We don't only bring you guys these two guys. Let's go ahead and bring on the expert himself. Let's go to market structure Mondays and get this started. Tim Quas, what's going on? This is the founder and CEO of Modern IR and Market Structure Edge. If you guys haven't checked it out, definitely go to marketstructureedge.com. You can get your free trial. Just check it out. You don't even need a credit card. I did so myself. I think you guys should definitely check it out. <laughs> that was quite a wind up. Thank you very much for that. And I, and I want to add that. <laughs> I want to add my kudos to yours for Dennis and Joel as well. And, and how, what a great job that Benzinga does educating traders. Uh, you know, I've said this before. I said it to Neil last week that, uh, look, you're running circles around everybody else in the market for helping people understand how to navigate today's complex marketplace. And uh, uh, you do it well every day. So I hope people appreciate the good work that you're doing. Good Real good you. on Mondays. We're for some reason we're so much better on Mondays. <laughs> Actually, I'm hurting. I'm tired. It's been a long weekend for me. I had uh, some friends up. This has been a long weekend. I'm out. You can tell. I'm tired. This is a tired Monday for me. <laughs> so we got Tim. Bring the power, Tim. Yeah, what do you bring us the energy because I'm like running short. I'm running on 10% energy here right now. So we need the Tim. Let's bring the energy here. Let's see some market structure. Let's see some numbers. Let's talk these airlines. We just talked down the airlines here. Did you? Well, we didn't okay. make, maybe necessarily. We were just saying the last two weeks, these have went down. I, I'm, I don't know. Like, have they come down enough where you start getting interested again? Or is these charts just a little bit too broken? To try to call the bottom. They're negative. Uh, they're negative too. Have you had a negative reading on the market structure, Tim? <laughs> oh, are they negative? And <laughs> let's that, go. Let's would... go. Like pick on American Airlines. Let's go to American Airlines. <laughs> so if that happened, Joel, it would be like oil futures, right? Oh Which, my goodness! You know, right. Buy yeah, them. Be... That was scary. <laughs> negative oil. Uh, well, here I'll I'll uh, so and and thank you for mentioning this. But you you traders, you can do this and. And the reason to me that this matters is no matter what happens, and we could talk about uh, monetary policy, boy, that'll clear a room. You want to clear a, a, a room at a cocktail party, say monetary policy. But I think <laughs> there, you know, there, there are some important things to understand about uh, how to navigate the stock market and the effects of supply and demand. There, it's the most basic principle of uh, economics and it applies to the market. So I'm gonna show you, let's look at the airlines and cruise ships. I like to look at them together. So if you've never, if you've never done this on Market Structure Monday, uh, where we talk about market structure, the behavior of money behind price and volume in context of rules. There are rules that govern how the market works and it helps us to understand supply and demand in the market. Sorry, let me get my face out of there. And uh, it, it's important to understand because otherwise you're just you're just deploying tactics without strategy. And, and I've mentioned this before from Sun Tzu. You know, tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. We don't want to get defeated. We want to understand how uh, supply and demand wax and wane. So this is this is what market structure edge looks like. And as uh, and you can try it just try it for free and you can follow along and see supply and demand it's not perfect 
but it's a very good way to understand the way that the market works. So here, is air, here are airlines and cruise ships. I've got 11 components in here. The lead behavior is fast trading. Those are the machines behind, call it about 53% of market uh, volume in the S&P 500. And uh, they don't want to own anything at the end of the day. So the algorithms are designed to deceive people. And Before, you have to beware. I want to actually take you. Yeah. I had this question on Saturday yeah. and it got me thinking to a certain extent. You notice how yeah. in the last like five minutes of the day, it seems yeah. like 80% of the time they jack up the S&P and they jack up stocks for the last five minutes. Do you think that to the point that you're just making, there's so many traders that don't want to own anything or don't want to be short anything at the end of the day, that you actually have day traders and short-term traders that are simply covering shorts that are are, are jacking up that, 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 that natural short covering action is jacking up the market in the last five minutes? Because this has been a trend I've noticed for like the last year. It seems yep. like, you know, wherever we're trading, the last few minutes, they just get a little spike there at the end. Do you think that has anything to do with it? I think that there are three things going on into the close. That's yeah. one of them. The, yeah. It's the amount of money that wants to be flat. That's yeah. you know the term that you would use where uh, you have no real exposure. Uh, number two, there are the the same the same very sophisticated folks from Hudson River Trading to Infinium and GTS and Jane Street and Jump Trading and Tower. Uh, and Citadel and Virtu, and I'd call Virtu kind of the good guys in that group, but they still do this too. They are all running calculations to understand where the reference prices are going to be into the close. So that's number two. The reference price, by the way, folks, is the price that the indexes and exchange-traded funds want. They want to be as close to the measure that they're trying to track as they can get because tracking errors reduce your appeal to investors. Well, that happens in the last, it's the, it's market on close. It's where things are going to be. And then the third piece is that, that there is so much money tracking benchmarks and trying to have limit or market on close orders that it inflates what happens at the end of the day. Uh, That's what to me is going on. So you, you, you have to be careful about that. You can be fooled uh, traders these people are very sophisticated. They're, as we talked about before, the machines are, are set sitting right next to the exchanges servers. They know what supply and demand are. You know, I like to, to talk about, to say, Walmart. Walmart know, knows at all times what the traffic in its stores is every day. They know if traffic is increasing or decreasing and from which demographic. Well, you should, too. The stock market is a market. And if you're going to be in it, you should understand things like this. Here are airlines and cruise ships. What this is telling us, the top graph is demand. So demand above five means that demand is greater than supply. Demand below five tells us that the supply is likely greater than demand. And then the below is a supply measure. So you have demand and supply. Supply is short volume. And so and there's a really interesting point to me that I want to talk about related to fund flows, which have been enormous in 2021, and yet the market struggles. And I'll explain that. But see the trend in short volume? While it ticked down a little bit into options expirations, that was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday last week, the trend isn't great. Supply is increasing and demand is decreasing. What does that tend to do to prices? It's not perfect, but it tends to mean prices don't rise. You want to find rising demand and stable or falling supply. That's how you find things to trade. 
And if I look across the market, moving from airlines and cruise ships, we've, I've got some things in here I'd like to point out for you traders, good, good benchmarks to consider, uh, and we'll talk about that. But back to this whole idea of supply and demand. That if the if the, uh, the if there's an overwhelming amount of demand, money flowing in, so oh, like seven hundred and eighty billion dollars has flowed into debt and equity markets, according to Morningstar, through July of 2021. It's an all-time record. It beats the previous record by almost 100 percent. And yet, why why isn't the market then up 50 percent? Because the supply is increasing at the same time. If you can shunt money into derivatives and into exchange-traded funds, they're not driving the underlying equities up at the pace that you might expect. Well, at some point, there's going to be a nexus. All that money that goes into those substitutes uh, is not going to continue to carry the market higher. And you can see it everywhere. It's an economic principle. Look at the Fed's balance sheet. There are, there are $4.2 trillion in excess reserves, meaning the banks don't know what to do with it. In 2007, excess reserves were $10 billion. I mean, it just staggers the imagination how much stuff is sitting around with nowhere to go. Well, you'd say, well, that's going to lift the market. No. If prices stop rising, the opposite thing occurs. People, be, they, stop, they stop rising and begin to deteriorate. People then want to sell. Then you've got all this excess out here and people don't want to own the asset. What happens to the asset prices? Will they go down? This is an ancient principle. We have known it for hundreds of years. Copernicus articulated it. So to me, that's very important. You have to think about that when you're trading. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Where is the supply demand opportunity? And yes, I, I, let me let me just add jump on to in, that, Tim, Mitch. because uh, I, I've been starting to study on my CMT, and it's just more and more. Do you find out that you know people like to always refer to where are the buyers, where are the sellers, right. instead of right. asking the the question, where's the supply and demand going? Um, I, I definitely think this is how you really start staying on staying on top of rotations and staying on top of the market versus asking buyers and sellers i mean there's there's always a buyer and seller right i mean there's there's markets are efficient at that one moment so the the better question is where's the supply and demand leading exactly and and the purpose of the buyers and sellers we have always believed that there has to be a buyer for every seller right and yet as dennis will affirm only about 5% of trades actually execute almost 95% of trades cancel 
Yeah, that's true. It's it's uh, because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of liquidity in the market. I talked about this last week for for edge users, but and I send in Market Desk. I write it myself every day, uh, and uh, I talked about how the real liquidity in the stock market is 60 shares. The average trade size in the S and P 500 right now, the components. The 500 stocks comprising the S&P 500 is 104 shares. That's the average trade size. The minimum for a quote and offer under regulation national market system is 100 shares. So we're barely over what prices are quoted at. Then 44% of those shares are borrowed. That's the supply side. So in reality, there are 60 long shares. So think about that. The likelihood that you can fill a 100,000 share order is a number approaching zero. And so everything gets split into tiny little trades. And uh, that's what the whole $50 trillion of market cap is depending on how efficiently 60 shares can move. And so you have to think about that. And Mitch, to your point, if you're a fast trader, your your investment horizon is a day or less. So you could trade something thousands of times, but your aim is to say, if I'm long 500 things, I'm going to be short 500 things too. There you go. Exactly. That's, that's right. You don't want exposure. Exposure no. is risk, right? You, no. That's and, and people just don't think about that, that that's what's going on. We tend to think, oh, there's all this massive amount of money in the market. Well, the horizons are very small for an awful lot of it. And that's important to understand. Market neutral. Dennis says it all the time. Market well, neutral. That's what we talked about on Saturday is just trading market neutral. It's a different style of trading. Obviously, the majority of our listeners are probably long only. A lot of them have never made short trade before. And I'm not saying, you know, shorting is the way to go. I'm just saying the professional traders are short the 500 and long the 500. They're keeping yep. that. They're looking at what their exposure is overall. Not even when you get that many positions on, you're moving around a lot with the overall market. You yep. know, Uber being down 3% is a drop in the bucket when you have that many, you know, things on at the same time. And they're just trying to manage that overall market exposure. That's what the professional firms are doing. And you and traders, that doesn't mean you, if you start to think, oh, how am I ever going to survive that kind of market? You don't have to do that. I mean, that's for sophisticated folks like Dennis. <laughs> the rest of us, what we want to do is increase the probability that we're on the right side of the trade, depending on what you want to do. If you short things, then you want to you want to short things where where demand is falling and supply is increasing. I can show you that. Yeah, and 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 vice versa. If you want to, if you want to, uh, if you want to be long something, increase the probability that you get a return by buying things with rising demand and stable or falling supply. Again, that's these two lines. So here's Roblox. Now we we talked about it last week. I said, well, it's a ten out of ten, and short volume is above trend. I don't like that. That doesn't. That's not a high probability trade. And so, sure enough, very difficult to get a return in Roblox unless you're in and out during the day because demand, the demand side is falling. Supply is right at trend. But if demand is falling and supply is at trend, what is the probability? Well, the probability is the price will go down. So doesn't mean that it will be perfect. It can be very lumpy. But that's, that's how you help yourself in a, in a situation where you're competing with very sophisticated folks. You don't have to be sophisticated. All you have to do is check supply and demand. Do it once a day. I do it before the market opens. I look at the stuff I've got. I look at what it's telling me. You know, if something's if demand's falling 
you know, NVIDIA, I, I, you know, like got out last week because demand's falling, supply's about stable. Show, show us, that's get... interesting because NVIDIA okay. just made a new all-time high and typically people, you know, technicians will be right. like, don't sell stocks, make a new all-time high. What are you seeing in your system that makes you want to take your profits in NVIDIA? Right, so uh, the, here's NVIDIA and again, demand line, supply line. And so when something goes up, there's a cause and effect. So the effect of rising demand may not manifest today. Could be three days from now. Could be five days from now. But I know that by the time it gets to five, I'm probably or thereabouts, maybe just below, because when you look at NVIDIA, its gains tend to come between about four and four. So from four all the way to 10, the return to four, because there's a delayed effect, that's where the gains are. So I look at this and say, this is why I left on Friday. I let, well, demand now is below five. Probably it's not going to go any higher. If I get any kind of gain, I'm going to take it. And so, uh, and I know a lot of edge folks who listen uh, did the same thing, got good gains. Uh, I oh, it just popped 20 bucks from the low. So it's just a nice move. It, it did. It did. Now, is that is it probable that it can continue to do that? Well, it depends. If demand returns, it can. But you want to always know that. You want to know where it is. There's a... You know, the, the higher probability is to buy rising demand. Once again, it's not perfect, but if it's 83, 85% of the time, that's where you want to be. That means that you've really stacked the odds in your favor, and that's what you want to do. And you want to think about that over the whole market. I have a set of companies in here from Tesla to Unity Software, and I want to look at what the trends are. Well, they, none of them are up, right? None of the trends are up. Well, now I know it's it's a you know it's, it will be like Winston Churchill said in the in the summer of it was actually May of 1940 Battle of Britain. He said, "I've got I have nothing to offer but blood, tears, toil, and sweat." Huh. Uh, the, I'm not saying that the market's going to be quite like that. I wish we had some Churchillian verve in our current geopolitical state. But you look at this and say it's going to be very very difficult in this kind of environment. If I look at Tesla, it's 2.6 and down. I look at Facebook. And I like Facebook, you know, it's it's five and topped. It means the supply and demand is about right. But I look at this and say, it's going to be very challenging as August concludes to get consistent gains because the data, the supply demand data tell me if I can't find good trend lines up, then I'm going to be very cautious. And that it's the way that you have to think about things. If you're just looking at a chart without understanding supply and demand, you're setting yourself up for uh, giving away all the gains. And we, we want to take gains, not chances. That's the way to think about the market. All right. This is something definitely to keep on watch, guys. And like Tim says, you can take a look at it in the morning and then understand it, then use that to go ahead and get into your trading day. Um, when I use this, this is exactly what I was doing. Uh, I have a tendency of always looking at sectors and industries and trying to find where the supply and demand is going. This is definitely one of those tools that can help you do that. All right. That's probably going to do it for us, Tim. I appreciate you coming you on. Guys. I hope you're enjoying Steamboat. No more smoke out there and enjoying the mountains. I got to do a little hike this weekend, so I'm sure you're enjoying it also, Tim. Well, I'll give you a little weather report from up in the high country because we're, we tend to be ahead. So uh, on August 20, Friday, uh, Trail Ridge Road in and out of Rocky Mountain National Park was closed due to whiteout conditions. We've Oof. already we've already had our first snow. It was wind chill of 16 degrees. I can look out on Emerald Mountain where the, we had a full moon today and uh, watched it set because uh, I'm up early and uh, and there are yellow aspen leaves. There are just a sprinkling of them. 
but uh, it's has 42 degrees out here. I've got the fire pit going out on the patio. So uh, autumn is coming, but we love it. That's okay. You know, warm days, crisp nights, we'll take it. We'll Have a take good week, it. guys. Definitely. Have a good one, Tim. All right, that's going to probably do it for us. Now let's go ahead. And Joel had something that he wants to bring up here. We, we might need you to unmute here. Let me unmute you. Oh, there you oh, go. You unmuted you. me, so I wanted to be quiet with Tim was uh, going. Quick story, and it's a true story. Okay? Oh, let's do oh. it. Let's do this it. These are always one. fun. This is a good one. <laughs> Remember how I was telling everybody that Raz was a good golfer? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Did you golf with Raz? No, I didn't golf with Raz. Uh, a buddy of mine from the area, his son – was in the club championship at a local club, right? So I decided to go. You know, you got to lend support, live sporting events, don't get to see see people that often. So I go out there, and who's one of the first people I see? Raz, okay? (laughs) He hardly recognized me. I had my visor on, so I started started talking to him. And, uh, you know, this was the club championships, but they also have a flight uh, club championship. And guess who won? Who won? Guess. Give it looks like guess. first. I see that. I see it. it looks like Raz <laughs> I to, won. I need to put it big. Oh, no. look who got first. Yeah. Hey. How does those scores go? It's though? a medal. The it's, lower score is supposed to be better. No, no, no. It's like you get points for birdies. Oh, you get points. points. Yeah. Yeah. This is points based. Yep. I, I don't know golf. So, yeah. So he, <laughs> so he wanted going away. It's his first year being there. So this is his, that's why he has wow. been on the show. And, uh, you know, so then it's so like, now we know what he's been doing, working on that golfing game. I know. Sure, that's sure. why he doesn't come on the show on Friday morning. And yes. he's out there working on the golf game. Yes. Yes. Got this All right. Out. So then real quick, and then we'll move on to a few more stocks. So it's like 95 degrees out. Right. And I'm oh, just sweating. His cup, his championship and, cup. and everybody, absolutely everybody at the club is in a cart. Right. But, you know, there's me. I'm, I'm not a member there. I'm trekking with my water bottle. He goes, hop on the back of my cart. Right. And so I'm standing up on the back of his cart and he's, you know, going in between the holes. And it, it was uh, it, you know, it was definitely saving me on uh, on some sweat. And so we go into sudden death or are they going to sudden death. So we had to go out to uh, number one from number 18. So he's cruising it there, and I'm standing up on the back of the cart holding on, all right? And I don't know whether he did it on purpose or not, but he went over like three bumps, all right? He's trying to knock you off. He's trying to knock me (laughs) off the cart. And this is how I knew, because he goes, oh, you okay back there? Oh, and, yeah, uh, that sounds like Raz. Yeah, so there That's he funny. is. So now I need a stroke. I need Raz more than a stroke a hole. But I told you, he's a good golfer. He's going to win the club championship next wow. year. And I'm going to caddy for him, and we're going to yell at each other, and it will be a lot of fun. But oh, he's gonna- I got to be there just for the yelling, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to give it up to the man. First place, good good result there. I can't play golf if I did, my oh, life uh-huh. depended on it. Uh, yeah, well, I got out for I the first time in a sport. year and a half this weekend, oh, no. and it was hot. It was 90 degrees oh. on the course, and my hands are sweating and stuff. The first drive, first, like literally, I haven't even been to a driving range. First swing in a year and a half. I'm like, this is actually my first swing right now. Take out the driver, bush. <laughs> I actually started to get a feel for it. About three, the third hole, third, fourth hole, I started to get a feel for it. I had a couple bogeys in there, but it was an ugly, it was an ugly uh, round, but. First time in a year and a half is good to get out there. 
All right, let's go. Let's uh, let's go. Let's go. All let's right, go. let's go Couple ahead. Let's, let's knock out some stocks. Yeah, we got about three or four minutes left here until we bring on Matt Hammond. Let's go ahead and knock out some stocks from the chat. You guys throw up some tickers if you guys want them up, especially if you've seen they have some catalysts today and you think they're going to get moving. Throw those stocks up. Let's go ahead and let's get some up here. Um, ticker time, ticker time, ticker time. One area that I'm watching definitely, just to call it out, is uh, I'm going to be watching consumer cyclicals uh, just overall here because we've come down to good levels here, bouncing off the RSI. The RSI went down as, as 20, and they had a really rough week last week. I'm wondering if they start coming back. You know, we had department stores really lead last week. Um, home improvement stores had a really good Friday. Uh, so I'm going to be watching to see if there's some, some other industries getting hot. But now we got some stocks rolling in the chat, so oh, we can go man. ahead and knock some out. This is here. why we have grab, grab one. We just got fifty in there. Grab oh one. Exactly. Let's let me, let me see if there's anything that stands out to me. Go. Um, let's go GRWG. I, I heard there's some news on that. I'm gonna double check while you guys talk about the technicals. The, the pot stocks, all of them, U.S. Canadian, they've all been in the gutter. They all continue to go down. CGC canopy growth, one of the biggest in Canada, is making new lows on the move. Oh, they are oversold. I will say that GRWG is oversold. Does that mean it doesn't? You know, have, does it have to turn around and get overbought all of a sudden? Likely not. You need to get above these three highs. I'm going to do take this right from Joel Alconin textbook. Technicals. Look at that. Yeah. 30 and a half. You had three highs in a row from last week. Until you can get above that area, I am not interested. You start getting above 30 and a half, get a close above it, then you could start thinking. But there is so many people, so much pain in this stock that believe it or not, when I look at a chart like this and I see a consolidation period for three or four days, yeah, it is often sure. consolidation to go lower. Path of least resistance actually might still be lower on GRWG. That is one ugly chart. Uh, I'm going to get Tim Seymour on. That's all I can say. He, Let's get Tim back on. Yeah, it's been a while. Let's get yep, Tim back on. Yeah, but uh, anyways, Tim, that, that's great. Yeah, I know. Fan. It's hard. I keep track of all these guests and everything and getting them on, but I definitely, I, I got it written <laughs> down. Uh, we missed all these tickers. That's why I have uh, pre-market prep plus 9 a.m. Go to premarketprep.com. Go over there. I will try and cover those as uh, many as possible. Uh, but uh, Mitch, we'll, we'll speak to you later on. Great job today. And uh, we got, I don't know, what else can Spencer do, you know, when he, when he gets back into the office? We'll have to figure something out. I still All right, think guys. Mitch I'll might get... have been behind the flight cancellation there. So. All right. I'll talk, <laughs> talk to you guys later on. I'll, I'll do big two. I'll do for two, the two Pick me two more, and then I got to go too. All right. Let's do, let's do uh, Square. I saw That's Square while being mentioned I've by multiple people. I actually so. haven't traded Square in the last week or two. Richard, Usually I Sunday, trade Square like up. every day, but for whatever reason, it just has been on my radar. Remember, Square is a little bit of a Bitcoin play, so it's not surprising that when Bitcoin has a really strong weekend, that Square will show some strength on the Monday morning. Um, the stock actually has had a nice pullback, and it is still clearly in an overall uptrend. If you draw that line, go out to your weeklies, you can clearly see I like buying stocks that are in uptrends on pullbacks. So, um, I don't mind the setup here. I would stop myself out. Remember, when I'm looking at trades, I always look at risk first, then return. Risk would be down to 254, so you're 266. So you probably got to give yourself at least that 12 points, which is about 3 to 4%. So if you're going that, then you want to make 2 to 1 risk reward. You'd want to make at least, you know, um, if you're risking 12, you want to make like 20. I'd like it to come in to get a better shot. Actually, if you would have given me this on Friday, it was probably a better setup on Friday. Now you're chasing it a little bit. So I probably make no trade just because it's too far off that low now that I'll say I missed it. But um, I don't mind the setup, and there is room on this. 
If yeah, you're in I mean, it, I would um, you know, be stopping myself out below the 254, though. Yeah, I would like a, a quick red to green towards around 262s and holding off that 260. But I can see what you mean by that 254. It definitely stands out. And Friday, yeah, that would have been a great setup to just jump off of that 254. Now you're up there to 266. We'll keep a watch on square. But like always, Dennis, thank you for spending the time here. One more, one more. I say one, one more, one more. Oh, we got one Overtime. more. Overtime. Overtime. Smash that like. All right, let's go ahead. One more. Let's look at the great, the one, the only AMC. AMC, what what's going to happen? <laughs> what are AMC? your thoughts, man? We've been sideways for, for so apes? long. For the this apes. is just in a range, 30 to sucks. 40. So sometimes it's just no trade. This is in a range, 30 to 40. We know long term that I don't like it. I've said that multiple times. Mm-hmm. I do believe in fundamental analysis in the long term, and the fundamentals make no sense to own it at this price. But you can yeah. put anything on for a trade. You know, I have been long AMC. I've been short AMC. I've been both ways trading this thing over the course of the last couple of months. No trade in the middle. You are dead between the 30 and the 40. Support, huge support down at 30, huge resistance up at 40. Until we can get, you know, out of that range, I guess you keep playing the range until it doesn't work anymore. 35, I'm right in the middle, so absolutely no pitch to hit here. Last question I have for you. How are you feeling on the market sentiment today going into the market? I mean, it depends. Like, if you talk SPY, SPY is right back up and bounces right back. IWM, we've talked about this, is a completely different story. What a nice rip, roar, and rally on an oversold IWM. I would be lightening up um, small caps and mid caps into this rally because IWM sold off for six straight days. And then in a day and a half here, we just got back almost half the losses. We always like to think about the 50% retracement. If you're looking 223.84 down to the low of the move of 210.68, that's roughly 13 points. You got a snapback rally of six or seven. You are right in the middle here. So I think this is an opportunity to probably lighten up on some of those beaten down small cap names. Thank you, Dennis. Like always, I thought that was a great ender. We'll see you tomorrow. Appreciate you. Thanks, everyone. All right, that's going to do it. Now let's go ahead. Let's bring on the one, the only Matt Hammond. What's going on? How we hey, doing? I'm doing good, Mitch. How you doing? I'm super excited. I know there's probably uh, how how we looking this week. I, I I really didn't get a chance to look, so I'm interested in hearing the report. Um, I know that we saw recently. I'm, I'm starting to keep my eye on D Nut. It started to finally move. I don't yeah. know if you, what, if you have an opinion on that one, Matt, but definitely uh, let, we can, let's get right to it. We'll, let's go ahead. So and yeah, we've had. Here. Okay, so uh, yeah, I got to share my screen. Um, actually, there's been no IPOs last week and no IPOs this week, which since we've been doing this feeling. show, we uh, it's the first time we've been completely skunked both uh, in front and behind. So um, not a lot to talk about in terms of specific IPOs, but uh, Spencer's suggestion was, hey, maybe we would go revisit general strategies. What are we looking for in IPO trades? How are we trading these? I mean, it's been very profitable for me. I've helped a lot of other people make money with the strategy. They've helped me. It's a community effort. We're kind of learning as we go. And I'm going to share some notes here. If people have questions, I'm happy to take some time to answer those. Uh, I did want to say that there was one IPO from the week before. Uh, Actually, first, before we get started, the live Reddit chat where we're trading IPOs in real time on the days of the IPOs, that got updated. Reddit, uh, I guess, kind of discontinues the live chat threads every six months. Mm-hmm. Um, so just go to reddit.com slash r slash IPO warriors. And at the very top, you'll see a live chat thread uh, that says live chat thread as of August 16th, 2021. 
That's where the live conversation is. We're talking about recent IPOs. We might get into SPACs or swing trades as well. Uh, most of the focus is on uh, the new IPOs uh, or IPOs we've traded recently. We all kind of get to know each other. We got new people joining all the time. That's another place you can ask me questions about how I'm trading, maybe my ideas on uh, what to do in different positions. If you're still bag holding from something before, or you're up big on a position, we all kind of support each other and give each other ideas. Some of the things I've learned about are um, selling covered calls on positions where I'm up and don't want to sell right away, but might be happy to exit if it got a, an attractive exit point and learned how to kind of generate some extra profits from those positions. So come join us there. You can also follow me on Twitter. That's down at the bottom right here, twitter.com uh, slash warrior IPO. Sign up for the newsletter at ipowarriors.com. I send out updates all the time, especially for these kind of stealth, low float, under the radar IPOs that we seem to get a lot of action on, we've made a lot of money on. Um, and actually, uh, last week it was a IPO from the Friday before, uh, so we didn't get to cover it on the show, but I gave out this DATS, uh, DAT chat. Uh, and I said on Monday, uh, in the show, right around this opening candle or pre pre-market candle here, I said, Hey, take a look at this one. It's a low float IPO. It debuted, uh, last Friday, didn't get much attention on Friday, but the social media buzz is building around it. If you're looking for kind of a swing trade this week, take a look at DATS and look at this. It opened up, you could, you know, down here was about $3.50, $3.60. And the social media buzz, just you could see it on Twitter every day. There was more people talking about it, more groups getting into it. And then Thursday, Friday, you know, you got up to six fifty here. There you um, go. That's a monster so move. Um, I just want to take a second here, guys. Yeah, this is Matt Hammond from IPO Warriors, always coming here every single week to talk about the new IPOs. And today he's taking the, his time to talk more about his strategy in these plays. So you guys do us a favor. Smash that like. I see we're up over 500 likes. We want to get up to oh, 700 nice, nice likes for the day. What I want, guys, is I got to beat Spencer's like goals here. So you guys support us. Hit that like and Matt, keep it going. That's all right. All right. So let's, let's move into some of the, um, some of the general trading strategies. Cause it's been a while since we really covered this. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm really, and I started doing this really heavily about two years ago and it really changed everything. I mean, I've gone from a five figure account to a very solid six figure account primarily trading IPOs. And no, I'm not getting into uh, these IPOs like some institutional banker. I'm not getting to actually buy the IPO price. I'm just like everybody else. And I started just like everybody else. And I'll continue to play this strategy, just buying stock when it starts trading. In other words, yes, you can apply for an IPO allocation, you know, through E-Trade or through Webull or through Robinhood. It's becoming more and more common. But the reality is for really hot, really strong IPOs, you're not given any shares. They still take those to the investment bankers, to the hedge funds, to the pension funds, to the big money uh, institutions that are going to buy huge chunks, millions of dollars worth of stock uh, at the IPO price. And then the stock is going to debut at a higher price usually. So that's not what I'm doing. I'm not buying the IPO. I'm actually waiting till the stock tr starts trading on the market and making my moves from there. So it's really something that anybody can do. You can do it with any trading account. Uh, Webull, I think, is a bit faster. E-Trade is a little bit more reliable, but th there's nothing special about this position or this strategy that requires huge amounts of money. You can start with a couple hundred dollars, 
uh, I think it's, you, you know, you're not going to be able to get uh, a ton of shares, which matters because most of these don't have fractional shares yet. Um, but you really can start at any level. And what we're looking for is we're looking for really like 10 to 20% wins over the first kind of one to two, maybe three days of the stocks trading. So I'm really looking for, you know, not trying to get too greedy, um, but you don't want to be impatient and just sell for a loss. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, but really, I'm looking for 10 to 20% wins. I've had some wins that are much bigger than that, but I really find that aiming for that kind of 10 to 20% uh, has been consistent you know, consistently doable. And when I look for the different kind of times at which these IPO stocks move, which we'll also talk about in a second, I've been able to consistently grab this level of profits, I would say 70, 80% of the time that I actually play a trade. So one of the key things is don't be greedy. You know, when you have a 20%, when you're up 20%, don't be going, oh, maybe it goes to 30% because these will come back down very quickly. And you'll all, you can very easily see a stock that, you know, a trade that you were up big all of a sudden become even or even down. Uh, the reality is that most stocks do not uh, hold their IPO debut price over the first year of trading. There's lockup expirations. There's a lot of moves that come, you know, in that first year. And if you're really looking at taking a long position at these, maybe buy a starter position on the debut, even if it's a, but even like the hottest IPOs, have come back down below the the debut price over the you know the first eight months to a year. I mean, you look back at Snowflake, you look at um, there's a very long list of all of the hottest IPOs. Very few of them have just gone up, 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 up from the debut. So this is a short term trade for me. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to take profits in the first two days. Uh, if I don't get profits, I will still bag hold because there's a lot of catalysts that come in the first month. Uh, there's kind of the day two catalyst, what we'll talk about. There's the first earnings report. There's the media coverage, like the, uh, lock, uh, the silent period expires. And there's analysts starting to cover the stock. There's a lot of reasons why in the first, especially after the first 30 days, when the silent period expires, when you're going to start seeing some opportunities to maybe get back in the green and offload a bag if necessary. Um, and very rarely will I, uh, will I take a loss on these and we'll get to the, those exceptions in a minute here too. So um, the general strategy, especially for something super hot where everybody's talking about it. I and mean, we're talking about uh, Doximity last month, XMTR um, was another hot one. Anything where you've got a reasonable float and a lot of media hype, a lot of media attention. I'm going to try to buy right on the debut, like literally the second it starts trading. And IPOs don't start trading at 9.30 on the day of the IPO. They start trading after they've gone through a process of taking all of the shares that are going to be sold and pairing those up with buyers on the open market. And that will usually occur sometime between about as early as 10 a.m. Uh, or sorry, about 10.30 a.m. is about the earliest they'll go live. Uh, but the bigger ones where there's more shares, they'll take longer. They, I've seen these go live at 1.30 p.m., which means you can be sitting around all day. Yeah, it's tiring. Um, but those are generally the ones that are hotter. There's more demand. There's more market activity around it. And I'm going to be sitting around and I can see that uh, debut price using special apps like Webull, which has in the level two, two data will tell you what that indication price is before it starts trading. So if an IPO is priced at, say, $30 a share, 
if it's really hot and really popular, the indication price might be $50 a share. So if you can't just go in and say, oh, well, the IPO was priced at 30. I'm going to set my limit order at 30 and expect to get that filled. It won't fill. Uh, guaranteed it will not get filled. Uh, so what you need to do is look for that indication price, set your limit order above that indication price. So if the indication price is kind of floating in the 50 to 55 range, you want to maximize, especially if you're going to go say, well, I have $1,000 to play. I really want to pick up 20 shares. Uh, you might have to go down to 19 shares so you can put your limit order at 55 or 56 just to make sure that it gets filled. When that stock just all of a sudden will go start trading, you want your order to get filled right away because from there, more people who don't know how to do that are going to start buying and it's going to push the price up right away. So I'm getting in with a limit order that I've set the amount of my buy order just above the indication price. And that's especially for a hot IPO that you feel is not going to give you any kind of dip or any kind of move down before it goes on its run. Okay, the next kind of important thing that I'm always looking at when I'm getting my game plan together for a trade is how much of my spending power do I want to put on this? Uh, there was a time at the beginning where I just took, especially before I had a margin account, I just had you know what money I could play. I was just saying, okay, well, I'm going all in on this. Uh, I remember Lemonade was one of the first big ones, Zoom before that, CrowdStrike before or in, in between those. And I was taking, you know, every single spare penny of spending power and putting that into the trade. And I was only trading things that I was really convinced were going to go up right away. As I started recognizing that there were patterns, even in the, the, the trades that weren't maybe super high conviction, I still realized there was opportunity to take profits on a lot of these, but some of them I maybe wasn't so sure on. So I'd take a half position on something where I'm really convinced is going to go up. I'll take a, a kind of a full position. And for me, that amount has been kind of established over time of trading what I'm comfortable, uh, you know, risking. I'm usually for me personally, it's somewhere a full position, somewhere in the kind of 20 to $30,000 range. A half position will be somewhere in the ten dollars to $15,000 range. But, you know, if you're using, if you have less funds than that, then you, you, you adjust your uh, position accordingly. But you, if you're going to use this strategy, I suggest you kind of set your full position, half position, uh, or even like a tenth of a position. Okay, maybe this one I'm not too convinced on, but I don't want to miss out on opportunity. And I want to like get some practice with this strategy. So I'm going to just do like 100 shares, but you can just adjust according to your spending power, your risk tolerance, and uh, then adjust according to how much conviction you have in each given play. Okay, so every trade is based on what is your entrance and what is your exit. What I like about IPOs is that the entrance and exit are simplified, uh, especially if you're just going to buy on the debut, kind of put that aside, you know what your entrance is. And that's where you're going to start. Now you're just looking for when are you going to exit? Um, what I'm looking for as an exit is there are about four main kind of runs that I typically see. There's the opening run, which is especially important for something that's very hyped up where there's a lot of immediate tension. Maybe the float isn't too high. And that is uh, just right off the debut within the first kind of 10, 15 minutes, you'll see a sustained, you know, spike. And sometimes it's only a few minutes, maybe it's five minutes of just green candle, green candle, green candle, green candle, and then drop back down. So that opening run, what I like to do is I will put a trailing stop loss. So if the stock opens at 20, 
when it goes kind of to 22, I'll set my stop loss at 21. And if it goes up from there, I'll start tightening that stop loss and tightening that stop loss until all of a sudden it comes down, triggered, and I've taken, you know, I've, I've, I've taken good profits in just the opening five minutes of a trade before. This is especially applicable for kind of low float, uh, hyped up, um, you know, there's a, a entire contingency of social traders that are just looking for low float uh, IPOs. And these will spike into halts and you just kind of like take profits out of each halt. Uh, the next one is the day two afternoon momentum. So a lot of these will do this initial spike up, come back down, baseline up above VWAP, and then start to make a day, you know, in the afternoon, the momentum starts building. Remember DNUT, for example, on day one, pretty much steadily rose throughout the afternoon. And the, all, all of those lend themselves well to uh, trailing stop losses. So I'm usually using either a trailing stop loss or I'm saying, okay, it debuted at 15. I think it'll hit 19 and I'll just set a limit sell and take profits at 19. Um, another one to look for is the end of day one pre-close spike. So a lot of times we'll see a stock uh, go into the final kind of power hour and if vol especially where volumes kind of started to trail off during the day, then we get into power hour, we start seeing a little bit more movement. And then in the final like five to 10 minutes, we'll see, especially on these IPOs, we'll just see a spike. And I like to catch those spikes with limit orders, you know, set a limit order, a dollar above where it's trading. And a lot of times you'll see people either, um, you know, pile in, uh, shorts closing, things like that. So there is often this phenomenon of seeing an end of day one uh, pre-close spike. And then the last kind of anticipatable uh, run that I look for is the day two opening or morning run. So a lot of times we'll see day two, and we'll talk about that in a second too. We'll see day two, uh, kind of the media cycle, all the news events that go around an IPO get covered during that day. People come home from work or the next morning, read the headlines. Oh, XXX IPO'd yesterday and went up 30%. They go, oh, I love that company. I need to buy stock in that. And they'll get day two runs that are a great time to take profits, especially if you're um, kind of down in a trade or day one wasn't all that exciting. Instead of like selling for a loss, especially on day one, I'll wait for day two. We've seen a lot of stocks come back. I remember Unity uh, dropped pretty hard on day one. We were all down. And day two, it ran and it made an incredible run. Uh, AI was the same story. So don't take losses on day one. That's kind of a rule for me. Uh, day two is a new day. A lot more interest in the retail market. A lot of people who weren't aware of the IPO coming on board. And uh, that day two opening run is a great time to get in. Alternate entry strategies. If you don't want to buy right on the debut, sometimes the market's weak, but you like the stock. You can under undercut the debut as well. Say the debut price is looking like it's about 20. You might set your limit order at 1950 and just catch yourself. You know, a lot of times there is a little bit of a first minute dip. And sometimes there's more like a sustained dip and you can build a position on the way down. And sometimes you see something drop and then baseline. And we've seen this on a lot of stocks, especially some of the hot ones that had a little bit of a different IPO. Again, Unity. Uh, drop pretty hard and then baseline well below VWAP on day one. And that's just a great time to add or build a position as well, because, you know, you know, that stocks is going to be popular. It had a lot of hype and buzz. It just had a little bit of a different IPO. They did a Dutch auction. And so you might wait and, you know, take, take it after the debut 
play it off the baseline and then wait for that day two rally. Um, other things I like to think about is, you know, when you're trading, especially these IPOs, you might want to take out of your position at multiple exit points. So you don't need to just pick one point. So I sell it all right now. We talked about how there's multiple runs and I might take, you know, 30% out of my position off that opening run and say, okay, it locked in some profits there. Now, if it comes way down and I get stuck, I have a lower basis, you know, point for getting out without taking a loss. Or it, can, it also puts me in a position to wait for maybe higher exit points later on in the day. Maybe exit another uh, 30% at the end of my at the end of the day or on an afternoon run, and then wait for that day two run, uh, the morning run, to exit the last 40%. So I like to use trailing stop losses, uh, especially when I'm looking for those exit points. So in the more I talked about using the trailing stop loss both on the like the debut. I'll do that on the day two. Um, so I'm always, I'm always, I would say, either using a trailing stop loss or targeting, you know, setting a price target uh, with a limit order to catch spikes. And that's something that I think is a little bit more of an advanced strategy because you start to get a feeling for, okay, well, I think that this one is going to hit, you know, this price target. I'm going to put my limit order there, maybe knock off five cents or 10 cents. So, you're not saying, okay, well, at 25, I'm going to get out. You know, you get out at 24.95 because everybody else will be sitting at 25 and you want to, a lot of times you'll see 24.99 or something and then it reverses. So bring your price targets just down a little bit from whole numbers and uh, lock in profits that way. On day one, if you do see heavy dips and you like the stock, don't be afraid to double down or to average down your position. Your hypothesis is still intact all the way through day two. Your hypothesis is within the first day or two, you're going to get a run. So if you see a dip on day one, it could be due to something else. It could be something you didn't expect in terms of uh, other people selling off and, you know, a shorter lockup lock period, something like that. Uh, bad news day, uh, just generally a bad cold market day. Don't be afraid to average down. It'll bring your cost average down. And then you're in that much better of a position once you do get your run. Uh, I really will not panic sell on day one. You don't want to take a loss on day one. I've seen incredibly big turnarounds go from day one to day two and even day three. So there are people in my you know trading group in my community that like to set stop losses that feel safer with that. But over time, we've, all, we've seen them lose out on more opportunities than they've really gained. And there's really only been very few IPOs that just like, especially the hot ones that debuted and dropped and dropped and dropped. Copang was one and uh, Coinbase, which wasn't really an IPO, uh, was another. But Coinbase, even that one gave you, it debuted at like 390 and went up to 430 before it finally kind of lost all its steam. So I won't use stop losses on day one. There's a lot of people who might say, oh, that's crazy. But the reason is I feel like they stop you out from that rally that you're expecting to come on the day two media cycle, if not on day one. So the day two media cycle, just to quickly recap, is there's all these media reports on the day of an IPO. And many retail traders weren't aware of the IPO coming up because they don't watch the show or they don't get the newsletter and not part of the Twitter feed. Um, so they read about it the day after the IPO and they go out and buy it. So we see a lot of these companies, uh, especially if they have high brand name recognition and that day two run from my experience tends to run right on the opening or steadily through about till noon. So this is why I don't set a stop loss or sell for a loss, for a loss on day one. I will hold for this uh, media cycle. You see here Weber Grills, Weber, 
uh, was about two weeks ago. And uh, the debut was here. The market was really cold. So I waited a little bit and built a position as it dropped. And then when it came up here, I was in the green this whole time. But I said, you know what? I think that people are going to read the news overnight and say, wow, Weber grills. Everybody's, you know, barbecuing. You know, Mitch, we talked about we all love barbecue. Um, You know, next day, morning run up to 19. I took my profits there. If you really liked it, more people piled in. And the next day you could go all the way as high as 20. So in it about 15, I was in it, I think, 15.55 out at 19. That's a nice win for, you know, waiting overnight. Um, probably going to have to cut this in half and, and get some more uh, next week. So let's get as far as just, um, well, cut me off when you, when you need, need to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. That way you don't have to go into another subject here. Um, sure. But I definitely do like, uh, you can go back a couple slides, the one that you had about the stops there you go the additional strategies right at the end yeah. I, I really do like this slide guys definitely pay attention to this i think it's a great way of your whole process essentially you know um you, you're you're essentially looking to get on day one it's okay that it gets a little bit of a dip day two you talked about that day two media day and how important that day is for ipos so definitely pay attention to that that's something that you guys can start learning from and paying attention to it even if you don't trade these Maybe just look at it and look to see how that media day really reacts and how it affects an IPO. Thank you, Mitch, Matt. I'm going like to throw this up on the website, uh, ipowarriors.com. I'm going to throw the PowerPoint up there. People can go download it, uh, review it themselves. And since we don't have any IPOs this week, we can pick up uh, pick up on this next week. Excellent. And I put uh, your Twitter in the chat there. Also, the website ipowarriors.com you can check him out there and anything i mean just shoot him a tweet the guy is always there Tweet at me get on the reddit thread ask me questions there uh, send me an email whatever i'm here to help thank you matt like always we'll see you next week ipo warriors appreciate you coming on thank you mitch have a good week all right guys that's probably gonna do it for us we're gonna get in i'm gonna go ahead and bring on ryan here looks like dg is getting set up there but i'm, I'm gonna go ahead and just look at some stocks i, I brought ryan on so i, I didn't want to leave my man in the background without getting some of these stocks that he might be looking at today so ryan if you want you can share your screen if not i can use mine and then we can go through some of the stocks that you're watching this morning and then we'll go ahead and switch on over to dg once he's ready there Absolutely. And um, happy Monday. Thanks for bringing me on, Mitch. You know, one of the things that uh, that I'm watching for is what other stocks are going to kind of trade in sympathy to this Trill takeover, right? Uh, I don't think there's any trade left in this particular name, but I kind of want to see if this ignites anything uh, in this space. We had real rough couple of weeks. Futures look good. Bitcoin's up. Everything looks good so far. So I want to see how this shakes out. I'm still going to be tactical. I'm not going to rush into anything here in the first couple of minutes. Yeah, well, one thing like always, you can't rush into the open. Exactly. I always say that you always got to look at a couple candles. And and I mean, unless your strategy is specifically to grab that opening price, then I always say you got to go ahead and look at it, check it out. And, and try to do the best you can with the market you have. Uh, someone's mentioning BTBT. It looks like you gave a good look towards that. Um, maybe you can uh, just tell us, what are you thinking about that chart this morning? 
Yeah, BTBT. This this was a uh, last week we were day trading this. This was an uh, awesome opportunity here. I mean, you can see obviously this has been really really strong recently. We came back in from some of those highs and we bounced. Uh, and so looking at this, I'd like to see what kind of action we get here. I still think we're kind of at this support here. So market's open. Let's see what's going on. I'm gonna flip over to my scanner real quick. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to actually wrap us up here, Ryan. I know that you got to probably do some some work there. I know someone in the chat mentioned they were having some trouble with Benzinga Pro. Reach out to this Reach man right me. here, Ryan Let Faluna. He'll definitely take care of you 100% of the time. I appreciate everybody sticking around on pre-market prep. Hit Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.